You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I'm NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications. And with us today is Danielle Beck. She is NCBA's Director of Government Affairs, and she is here to talk about everybody's favorite subject, fake meat. Danielle, thank you for joining us. Ed, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so for those of you who have been listening to our podcast all along, you probably know that we have a new policy priority this year concerning the issue of fake meat. And that means these plant-based products, basically like soy burgers, black bean burgers, impossible burgers, whatever you want to call them. And then also there's this new lab-grown sort of Franken-meat kind of stuff that's out there that is not in the marketplace but will be at some point. Um, we even did a podcast where we ate actual fake meat, um, the things we'll do for the for the industry and, and for NCBA. Um, but the big news on the issue today is that NCBA today filed comments with the U.S. Department of Agriculture's FSIS, the Food Safety and Inspection Service, in response to a petition that was filed by another ag group a couple of months ago. And more really than a response to their petition or a statement of what we are against, it's really more a statement of what we are for happening on this fake meat issue as we go forward. And there's really two main topics that are addressed in these comments that NCBA filed today. One is how to label um, existing plant-based products that are out there in the marketplace, what, how they can refer to themselves, basically. Um, and number two is who should have jurisdiction within the government over these new lab-made products uh, that are going to be hitting the marketplace in the next few years. So um, we have basically two main principles that are listed in these comments. The first is it says, request FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, take appropriate immediate enforcement action against improperly labeled imitation products. Danielle, what does that mean exactly? Well, there are a few different asks in our, our comments. Uh, and the first is uh, requesting that the U.S. Department of Agriculture work with FDA to take appropriate immediate enforcement action against improperly labeled imitation products. So in looking at the petition, one of the reasons why we don't believe that just defining uh, and creating a new standard of identity for beef is enough is because if you look at what's happened with the dairy industry, uh, any product that's regulated under FDA has a whole host of set, a whole host of rules that are separate to what happens at USDA. And FDA has turned a blind eye to imi improperly labeled imitation products for quite some time now. Uh, the dairy industry first engaged with FDA on um, soy milk and almond milk. Back in the early 2000s, I think their first letter that they sent to FDA was in 2001. 17 years later, those products have yet to change their labels. They are still on the market, uh, and they've really been allowed to get away with murder. Uh, so we are asking USDA to engage and intervene on our behalf because USDA has always been a longstanding champion of agriculture, and we believe that they're in the best position to influence FDA in an appropriate manner. Right. And we were talking about this, such as you see imitation crab meat out there at the supermarket and something like that might be appropriate, um, you know, for for imitation beef products going forward. And, and uh, the I guess the, the term that you use is, you know, it wouldn't be right for them to go out there, uh, somebody that made fake meat and say crumbly, beefy 
or beefy crumbles or something. I think that's how you described it. So we wouldn't want that. We want it. We would want it labeled as something like imitation meat or imitation beef or something like that, right? Sure. Or even just a, an appropriate product disclaimer. Uh, you know, we have no problem with a black bean burger because it says it's a black bean burger. Uh, you know, the Boca Burger, their product labeling for years now has very clearly signified the fact that it's an alternative that's plant-based. Um, the new companies that we're seeing and the new products that have started to enter the market, uh, they're really inching closer to that line of being misbranded and to misleading the consumer. You know, it's great that a product can bleed and sizzle like real beef, but at the end of the day, it's not real beef. It's packaged similarly. Um, the Perhaps the product labels on that package are quite confusing unless you're looking closely. And so really, we just want imitation products to be labeled in a way that's clearly stating the fact that they're alternatives. They're intended to be alternatives. They're not real beef. They're not real beef products. Uh, and when you're a mom in the grocery store rushing home before uh, rushing home to make dinner, you know, you want to see a clear product label. Uh, you don't want to grab the first thing and then end up getting home and seeing you, you picked out a plant burger when you wanted a beef burger. And the family really doesn't want that either. Um, so the so the second um, item that the second principle basically that is included in these comments that NCBA filed with USDA today uh, starts off and it says USDA should assert assert jurisdiction over foods consisting of isolated from or produced from cell culture or tissue culture derived from livestock and poultry animals or their parts. So essentially, what we're saying is that FSIS should have jurisdiction over lab grown lab produced meat. Uh, when this stuff hits the marketplace at some point. Why do we feel that, U uh, that USDA and FSIS should have jurisdiction over this rather than FDA? I, there are a number of reasons. First, if you look at what's happened with uh, dairy products at FDA, that is a perfect example of why we don't want these lab-grown meat products to be under FDA jurisdiction. If they're allowed to be regulated under FDA, they'll be allowed to call themselves clean meat and will have lost the battle. It is imperative that these products, as they're grown in a lab and make their way to the market after you know reaching commercial scale, scale are labeled uh, in a way that is legally and scientifically defensible and is not uh, derogatory to tr traditional beef products in any way whatsoever. Uh, beyond that, I think it's really important that any product uh, competes on an even playing field. It is a perishable product regardless of whether or not you know we believe it's really meat or beef. Um, it is meant to mimic a meat product and will have all of the same uh, susceptibilities to foodborne pathogens that traditional meat products do. And so in terms of protecting consumer health, it's really important that these products, they adhere to the same set of stringent food safety standards as traditional meat and beef products. Right. And we were talking earlier, and, it, and the irony of this is if the FDA has jurisdiction over something so-called so clean meat, and that's the nomenclature they want to use, while real meat, real beef, is inspected by an FSIS inspector all across the country before it gets out to, you know, the consumers, really so-called clean meat could actually be less safe, less hygienic than actual meat. So that's, that's the ultimate irony in this whole thing. That, that is one of the ironies, yeah. Well, and I think it's also very ironic that in a world where consumers want to know where their food comes from, uh, the natural movement has been a big, powerful movement. We watched what happened with the GMO labeling laws. We're seeing consumers want to move away from food processed, heavily processed, chemically processed foods, uh, and really have a connection back to the farm. 
Uh, and so how consumers will respond to meat grown in a lab, um, you know, it remains to be seen. But I think, you know, until we have those products come to the market, and even then, we've got a great story to tell. We're going to continue telling that story. But in order for there to be an even playing field, uh, we do really need to compete under the same set of regulations. Okay, so the big question is, what's next? Um, we filed these comments with USDA today. Um, what is next in this whole sort of bureaucratic rulemaking process, um, and what can producers do um, going forward? Well, next in the bureaucratic labyrinth, uh, I believe USDA will have to take the petition, read all of the comments that they've received, and then determine whether or not they want to move forward with action. Uh, as a good reminder, you know, the week that that petition was submitted, uh, FSIS formally responded to a petition it had received in October of 2014. So USDA is under no legal obligation to respond in a timely manner, uh, nor would I, I believe it's a safe assumption that they will be responding or taking any action in a timely manner. Uh, we'll probably see a farm bill passed and enacted into law before that happens. And the path forward for the farm bill is uh, it's bumpy at best. <laughs> All right. So what can producers do? I mean, this isn't a situation where you're going to call your congressman and ask uh, him or her to vote on a particular piece of legislation. Um, what can producers do um, to make their voices heard and really just to stay up to speed on this whole issue? Yeah. Well, I would encourage any producers out there to you know stay tuned, keep looking and listening uh, for what's happening here at NCBA. We have a few things in the works. Uh, we've got a great strategy mapped out. We're not quite ready to talk about it just yet, uh, but we will be unveiling a number of different actions over the coming months uh, in protection of the term beef and more importantly, protecting you know our beef producers here in the United States. So, so just stay tuned for more. All right. Yeah. And obviously, you can keep up with everything by um, going to our website, beefusa.org, and especially by going following us on Twitter at, at Beltway Beef. It's an easy follow, and we'll, we'll continue to, to keep everybody up to speed on all of the latest developments on this issue. Danielle Beck, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for all of the work uh, that you've done on this over the past few months. As I said, this was a, a new issue for, for NCBA and for you personally. So I know you've done a lot of research. You spent hours just digging into bureaucratic weeds that I personally would never want to be in. So um, on behalf of uh, the organization and producers everywhere, thank you for all of the time and effort you've put into this. And I know you're going to keep on doing that. So thank you very much. Thank you, Ed. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Check us out online at beefusa.org and follow us on Twitter at, at Beltway Beef. Thanks for listening.